Welcome to the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones. Tonight, a conversation with Ray Duckworth, the new operating chairperson, as she likes to be called, of Black Lives Matter Utah. I Zoomed with her earlier this week to hear where she wants to take the grassroots organization and how you can get involved. Also this hour, Eric Peterson of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. I'll talk with him about his latest story in partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune. Here's the headline. A year after mass demonstrations sparked by George Floyd murder, protesters see double standard in prosecutions. To get us started off, I've got a song for you from one of my favorites, Joe Jackson. It's Sunday Papers on KRCL 90.9 FM. Little Marvin Gaye, Trouble Man. And the Sunday Papers starting us off from Joe Jackson. Ray Duckworth, new operating chairperson of Black Lives Matter Utah, up next. Are you a teen inspired to be heard? Do you want to be a DJ on this station, KRCL 90.9 FM? Then join Loud and Clear Youth Radio. We are currently looking for the next group of interested teens ages 14 to 19 who want to be the next group of youth DJs at this station. Applications are due September 12th, so hurry. For more information, visit spyhop.org. We are looking forward to hearing your voice on this station. This is the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones, your host tonight. Time to amplify community and pass the radioactive mic. My first guest tonight is Ray Duckworth, who prefers the title operating chairperson as the new leader of Black Lives Matter Utah. Why exactly does she want that title versus president or executive director? I spoke with her earlier this week to find out about that, as well as where she sees the organization headed in the future. Here's that conversation. My name is Ray Duckworth, and my current position is the operating chairperson of Black Lives Matter Utah chapter. I saw the profile in the Salt Lake Tribune and specifically about what your title would be really stuck out to me as how you want to lead this organization. Would that be a fair characterization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm not the president. Presidents are elected and I wasn't elected, so it wouldn't make sense, right? Exactly. So... To remind folks why you're invested in this cause, other than the obvious, can you tell us a little bit about how you come to this? Um, So I got involved with the organization in the first place. Sorry, you can hear my dog kind of whining in the background, but um, I got first involved. I went and saw Lex Scott speak in February, and I thought, oh, that's really cool. Like, it's not, it's exactly, you know, what you need when you're like part of the under 2% of the population here. And then um, that was in February of 2019. And then unfortunately, in the beginning of September, my family was reaching out to her after my cousin Bobby was shot by a police officer during a mental health crisis call. In fact, in the post that you put on the Black Lives Matter Utah chapter, one of the things you say uh, is that your cousins with Bobby Duckworth, a victim of police murder. And I say these things first because you do not know my name unless you know Bobby's. Yep. And that's true. Tell me what you'd like to achieve or focus on as uh, the head of Black Lives Matter Utah. Um, uniting the community. 
I feel like there's a um, a big division in in the community, and I feel like you know it gets um, things get mixed and misunderstood, and and I I want to do nothing but continue to expand my education, my knowledge, and I want to share what I know with everybody. I want to share my experiences. Um, so I feel like, in fairness, the community would like to do that with each other. So it's like a reciprocation. I just really want to solidify the community and unite them. When you say there's a division, which division are you talking about? Are you talking about black-white? Are you talking about um, pro-police or defund the police? Um, You know, it's really all of it. Um, Because you could look at it at any angle. I mean, you know, um, for example, an organization can come out and and be pro-something and another organization could be against that. And, you know, there doesn't need to be a division there. We can accept that there's different opinions, but we should be able to, um, you know, sit down at the, the table and at least focus on growth as a community. Whether we agree or disagree on a topic, we have to come to an agreement eventually. We, like, we're neighbors. So um, I think a lot of it is um, missing communication and conversations we just need to have and let's 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 have a dialogue you know dialogue is a two-way street though um so reciprocation that's like my favorite word um so if i'm going to go into a space where you know i i know that you don't understand or, or agree necessarily with things i believe um i hope it's being reciprocated to where i understand that like you know like that's how i, I tried to operate and, and view things because that's that's what causes division is misunderstanding. One of the things that's going on in our society is we can't agree on facts. One thing uh, we can agree on, though, is that hate crime reports in the U.S. have surged to the highest level in 12 years, according to a report out just uh, as we record this from the uh, FBI. And I'm guessing those stats, uh, if you've seen them, are cause for alarm in the work that you do as Black Lives Matter Utah. Yeah, yeah, of course, because... Um like, what do you do when you're under attack? Stand up, fight back. That's just what it is. And so when it's, you know, when it's your communities that um, either you're a part of or intertangled with, um, you you feel motivated to do something. So. so who is it that needs to come together here, Ray? Let's just uh, kind of work through this because um, there's the extremes that are never going to come together. So. Um, and that's you fine. can try and yeah, and you can try and speak to them, but they're not going to convince you any more than they're going to convince you. But that's when reciprocation comes into play. So like when there's the extremists, like they have no, um, their door has a peephole. They're talking through the peephole. They they don't really want to hear what you have to say. Um, my door is always open. I I understand that you're not going to understand or agree with everything I say. Um, but if you're going to listen to me and like hear me out for a minute, cool. I love that because I'll hear you out too. Because I I don't know everything. I, I don't I I can't say I've experienced everything, um, especially you know. But I I do really truly truly aim to to listen to a person and place myself in shoes and and like try to think. Wow, okay, that's different. You know. And taking over from the founder, Lex Scott, who left the state due to threats, do you have any concerns being in such a visible position for your own safety, your family? Uh, no. You know, there's always, like, the concern. 
but it's um nothing is sticking out i haven't gotten anything crazy i i that's the thing is it's like um being in the position or not you are a black woman in utah mm. yeah janetta williams of the uh, naacp here in utah i spoke to her over the weekend about the threats that she gets. She's like, oh, that's just part of it. I have a folder that I keep stuff in for a while. And I said, is that the in case something happens to me folder? She says, yeah, I go through it. And after a while, I I, I uh, pare it down if nothing's happened. And then the new ones come in or people send me things that are actually for the national and it's all it's hate mail. Um, she said, it's just a part of the gig. And one of the things that you write about in your Facebook post from August 9th is, you know, that self-care, that mental health for folks working in this space. So what is your advice to folks as you uh, take on operating chairperson to, you know, deal with that kind of stress and pressure, but keep on? Uh, just make sure you're refilling your cup. And like, I am not um, a perfect example of that. Um, I have um, comrades who remind me all the time, you know, like they're like, and how are you today on a scale, you know, like, what is, how are you feeling on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the greatest day of your life? Like what's going on? Um, we have to have these conversations. We have to talk, we have to check on each other. Um, cause nobody else is going to. So that's just, you know, and I just always say refill your cup and nobody fits one bill. So, you know, therapy might work for somebody. That's great. Um, group activities might work for another. That's great. As long as you feel like you are doing something productively to fill your own cup, um, because you have to also pat your own back. One of the things you mentioned in your, your post announcing the direction you want to go is a legislative team. What is it that you want to tackle? I mean, we're interim sessions right now where a lot of, uh, the, the cooking happens for bills moving forward to the session in January. Um, is there help that you'd like to call for? Because you do that quite uh, openly and transparently. It's like, look, I can't do this all by myself. So folks, join well, one of our teams. Yeah, it's call. It's all a community. Like, I can't do everything by myself. Um, Lex did a lot of crazy things by herself, and that's totally <laughs> amazing. Um, but like me, I'm going to be like, hey, can't do it alone. Let's go, you know? So, um, mm -hmm. but that's part of like uniting the community. Like, that's how it has to be. Um, people... Uh, and that, that's a big conversation too, is like, people will ask me, how do I get involved with things? Like, okay, well, what do you want to do? First of all, you know, like, let's start there. Like, what kind of things do you want to get involved with? So like, when I talk about the legislation team, it's, um, what's something you want to see implemented into a bill? Um, for example, someone said something like, um, people who qualify for food stamps should qualify for, um, uh, a portion or an amount or a coupon to get hygiene products, you know, like we're not, um, that's part of self-care and, and like, if you feel good, you, you, you're clean, you feel good, you do productive things. Um, that's just a, a missing link, like just conversations like that. Um, you know, in addition to like, you know, please reform, we need, um, community oversight. We need them to be able to subpoena and we need, the release of body cam footages in high resolution with, you know, like sound unedited. Like we need these things. These things need to be part of the community conversations of transparency and accountability. Um, so like just anything you can think of, sorry for my dogs, anything you can think of that's like, you know, you just want to see implemented or, or changed. Just like come join 
this legislation team where we literally are, are talking about like things we, we want in addition to like what's already going on you know because a lot of people were talking about oh let's um let's jump on board to support um like another stimulus and things like that yeah that's that's cool like we can do stuff like that and then that's when it like um dwindled to the conversation of well people who qualify for food stamps why aren't they getting hygiene coupons or or you know and like in in addition to these food stamps and, and things like this so it's just like yeah you start breaking it down and get to these small steps that can really mean big things for people. Yeah. You also mentioned that there's lots of fun stuff that Black Lives Matter does too, like Camp Melanin and the history bus that finally came together and debuted earlier this year in a freaking snowstorm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> down the Leo. It was amazing. My toes were so cold, yeah. but it was so cool. Yeah. Keeping those things going. How's that? Um, so I am right now, um, I... I am working to be on, on the board um, right now. I just am helping amplify the bus because the bus um, is part of me in, in the community. You know what I mean? It's that literally, like, if you think the 2% equates a bus, if we talk about his history in, in Utah. So it's just like, it's part of me. So it's part of amplifying that voice. Um, Bobby's name is also on the back of the bus, which is amazing. So that's cool. And then um, that's just been fun. Just been fun to like even just talk to them about like what they want to do with the bus and things like that. I've been in to a couple of their conversations and stuff like that. Um, Mario is the president. It's a separate, it's separate, even though it evolved out of Black Lives Matter. It's a separate yeah, it's, project. It's, it's right? a separate project, but that's still, you know, it's still, it's very important still. So it's just like cool to just even be in the conversation. Um, and then you, oh, the camp. Oh, that was so fun. Um, so fun because I needed that when I was a kid. So, so what did it, tell me about uh, how the kids experienced it this year? Being able to do it in spite of the pandemic, I'm guessing was huge. We had to like just split them up, make sure that they had masks on, and uh, they get me emotional. But um, uh, they're so cute, little black and brown faces out there. <laughs> yeah, you're a mom, and. Uh, like you just said, if that had been around for you, what it would have meant. So I'm guessing you want that to grow. How can people help? What does camp need for next year? Um, so right now, nothing. Um, Black Lives Matter is not a 501c3, which means they're not a nonprofit. That's why we don't collect funds or anything like that. Um, plus money is just ugly. Money makes people want to do ugly things. So um, what we do for camp is we prepare for the camp. We figure out how much money and costs and things like that. And um, we'll figure out how much the costs and things like that um, come out for. And then we'll put the tickets out so you can purchase the tickets and things like that on, on those uh, sites. Cause that was my first time doing camp. So like, I was like, Oh wow. Like, and then I, I noticed like Lex does a lot of it. Like she basically on, on nailing a lot of the things um but she has like really good trusted allies who 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 are there and and they are are these people ride or die for the chapter and, and that was amazing to see like oh I, I met all these people who were like hey like what do you need and then they boom we're nailing things for us and it was just like so cool like we wanted to throw um a shot put and a discus and and, and show the kids that we were throwing shot puts shot put and discus at and that was funny because we put it on an amazon wish list and then boom everything on the amazon wish list got accomplished so it was it was just super cool 
Um, and then like Betty Sawyer came through and, and brought some STEM activities. We love STEM because um, it's not only about, you know, like uniting, but, you know, knowledge is power. So that, that was fun. She also came through with like some hygiene um, products, like the masks um, due to the pandemic and things like that. And, you know, the kids, they were they went through so many masks, so many masks. But she like so like just it was just such a beautiful experience. And, and uh, huh, yeah, and just people showed up for the kids. And that's all that matters if you show up for the kids because the kids are the future. They're the youth. You know, the youth is everything. So part of your your efforts are about maintaining the murals on Third West. Uh, along Third West and between Eighth and Ninth South, that's some um, property that's slated for redevelopment. What are your plans or objectives there? Um, so I I don't have any plans, um, but I am keeping the conversation going. Um, the police brutality murals um, building it should be a community center. Um, uh, I've met people there who you know a part of being this like under two percent community. I'm also a part of this community of police brutality victims, and and these people are are so beautiful, and um, all they're doing is healing and mourning, healing and mourning and fighting, healing and mourning, healing and mourning and fighting, and um, they deserve this space. <sighs> yeah. They deserve the space and the space um, connected them with another. And there's, you can't heal alone. You know, you can grow alone. That's easy. Anybody can grow alone, but healing it, it takes, you know, like yourself, um, your space, um, your home, it like everything is, is a part of healing. So the, there should be no objection <laughs> as far as the community getting this, this building and um, expanding this building into a center of resources. Um, our communities need resources and there's like 22 faces on this building. And I think uh, maybe 17 or 18 of them were due to mental health crises. So I think it, it would be, you know, um, you know, beyond the means of important to have mental health resources in a safe community center where um, people understand. Um, and, you know, and I, I was part of conversations earlier this year where, you know, some people of color in our queer trans and non-binary non -binary community, they were, you know, not feeling welcomed at Pride. Well, there's a community center that should be built where, you know, these other people can also get involved. Um, you know, we need additional harm reduction and, and things like that. Like there's just, it's just so much that mental health can expand into and it can, and it literally touches all 22 of these faces. And um, I just think it's, it's fair um, <laughs> in a way. So yeah, I, am, I, I still keep these conversations going. I still bring them up. Um, the families are meeting, um, with some city officials starting September 1st. So there's, you know, the conversation is being expanded. It's continuing, um, it's growing. So we'll see what happens. You know, the people are speaking, so that's all that matters. And I'm here to amplify that. 
Well, operating chairperson Ray Duckworth, <laughs> how can people get involved? Come to the website. Um, I'm not cool like Lex, and I don't send out a, a whole bunch of newsletters. Um, I understand, though, why she does, because so many things happen, and then it's like, oh, wow, we should tell everybody about all these things that are happening, you know, um, or even, like, the potential of things happening. And so um, just come to Black Lives Matter Utah, and it's the same website. It's still everything is the same. I, I'm not tech savvy. Um, <laughs> it's a new skill. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm still learning. So like just, you know, come kick it with me or like, I don't know if you have a cool skill that you want to come share with me. Cool. I would love to like, I love skill sharing. I think that's cool. Um, and um, you can come to the Facebook page. There's a Facebook page and group. Um, I'm not crazy active. I try to be. Um, there's an Instagram page. Not crazy active, but I try to be. And I don't like social media, um, but I try to be. I try to be. You can also follow Representation Matters because um, that's um, I'm an ambassador there. But like we do, we do, we amplify other initiatives and things like that. If that's like what you're aiming to do is follow initiatives, like we amplify initiatives there. So we're happy to help too, Lex. So uh, I just called you Lex. I don't know if that's <laughs> how do you feel about that because those are big shoes to fill. Oh, and I, and I haven't filled them, so like it's. Thanks for the empty compliment. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean oh, to. No, I'm just Is she a mentor to you? Oh yeah, she's my friend. I'll call her right now. She's my friend. She has no choice. <laughs> One thing that you said that I wanted to close with, um, in regards to your relationship and how folks will inevitably compare you, <laughs> is how you put it yourself. I am like a sour patch kid. Lex is way nicer <laughs> than I am. It's true ask anybody who knows me I'm such a, I'm a prickly pear like um my goal is is to just be straightforward I don't like I don't like to like peek around the corner about anything or, or beating around the bush I can't I can't stand that stuff so like I'm very straightforward um if I feel like you hurt my feelings I'm gonna be like hey you know I don't like that and <laughs> sometimes you know people um I don't know Lex is way nicer than I am so like just it, like and that's why people like don't talk to me and that's fine like you don't like have to like me because I'm nice or mean like I don't I'm a prickly pear is what my other friends call me as a is a prickly pear you know like a pears you know you it's like hard and and like it, it's yummy and you know delicious and then it's like yours is has little spikes in it like a rose and I'm like oh then don't bite it have you already uh picked up the conversation with the Salt Lake City Police Department as head of Black Lives Matter Utah? Excuse me, operating chairperson. No, chief. Yeah, I'm the operating chairperson and Chief Brown won't talk to me. So why is that? He, why do you think? Um, I don't know. He didn't. He hasn't came to any of the, the community activist group meetings. So I just I feel as if he just does not maybe value the conversation with me, uh, want a conversation with me. Um, and that's fine. If he doesn't want to talk to me, he, my phone number is 385-482-1172 if he wants to talk to me, but he probably won't call me and that's fine. But other than that, if he'd like to email me, it's messageraydeck at gmail.com. That's how we're closing this interview with a call for Chief Mike Brown to pick up the phone or type on yeah, his Yeah, just keyboard. come to the community activist meetings. Like, come on. Like, it's supposed to be about community conversation and transparency and so let's go. Let's have these conversations. When's the next meeting? 
Um, I believe it is September 16th. Where and when? Um, we will have a hybrid option due to the increasing numbers of COVID because we still want to com- keep the community safe. Um, and I believe that they also will have, you can go into um, the public safety building. All right. We'll put those details in tonight's show notes. Yeah. And then they should be at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. at the public safety mm-hmm. building, but with a hybrid option to join remotely. Yeah. Ray, any closing thoughts to the community? You were talking about reciprocity. Sounds like you and Mike Brown might have to work on that conversation. Yeah. But uh, what's what's the call to the 98 percent, like you said, you feel you represent or part of the 2 percent of the community of, of color? What's the call to the other 98 percent on this issue of of reciprocity that's a big one um so i feel like last year they highlighted a conversation about um you know being a an ally and that's you know that's very cool you know to be an ally and then i think right now what we need is action behind the allyship which is um people have identified that as being an accomplice uh, we're not saying, hey, go hold hands and burn down buildings. It's not what at all I'm promoting because Black Lives Matter Utah chapter still promotes peace at all in all forms. Um, but it's if you see someone being attacked, do more than record it. Um, you know, I saw a video someone sent me um, of a person of color who was riding on a one wheel bicycle doing tricks and. Um, they call him a Kyle. If he's not a Karen, he's a Kyle. And so Kyle was upset and was saying he was going to call the cops. And someone literally stepped in between them while he was calling the cops and escorted the, the person away. So that, that's what I'm talking about is action behind the allyship. And that's all. Ray Duckworth, operating chairperson of Black Lives Matter Utah. Check tonight's show notes for a link to get involved on their legislative team and other committees. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up, a conversation with Eric Peterson of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. Get yourself or your loved ones vaccinated today at a no-cost clinic from the Salt Lake County Health Department. First and second doses available, no appointment ever necessary. For details, visit slco.org health locations. Thanks for listening to the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones. Eric Peterson is the founder of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. He started it up in 2016 as a nonprofit public service journalism and educational resource for the state and region. His latest story explores whether there's a double standard when it comes to law enforcement and prosecution of Black Lives Matter protesters. Here's that conversation. Eric, your latest story in collaboration with the Salt Lake Tribune is a year after mass demonstrations sparked by George Floyd murder. Protesters see double standard in prosecutions. Earlier in the show, I spoke with Ray Duckworth, who's the new operating chairperson of Black Lives Matter Utah in the wake of Lex Scott's departure from the state of Utah. And so I thought this would be an interesting bookend to that conversation because you looked at the riots, the rallies, depending on your perspective, uh, what those were uh, from last year to see how folks were treated. Can you kind of give us the, the the high view there? Yeah, you know, I think... You know, something that's um, I find interesting kind of in journalism is to like take a second look at something after some time has passed, you know, and obviously last summer, you know, summer of 2020, 
uh, we were all just kind of bombarded with these incredible images, you know, the protests happening here and across the country, you know, you know, people were obviously some people were taking part in them. Um, and, you know, some of the things that happened at these demonstrations got out of hand. And so people did get charged with crimes, you know, people got charged with rioting, things like that. And I wanted to just take a deeper dive into a couple really significant cases and, um, you know, one was looking at an individual who was uh, formerly a part of the United Citizens Alarm, um, a group that uh, a lot of people refer to as a militia uh, that had been uh, charged with uh, pepper spraying, um, you know, some people with Black Lives Matter at a Cottonwood Heights protest, and uh, also took a look at the case of Jesse Taggart, who was the individual's um, facing some pretty serious charges right now. He was uh, at the Provo protest last year and uh, had shot a driver who he feared was going to be driving through demonstrators. You went to public record. That's one of your specialties. So what kind of public records were you able to access and what did they show versus public statements? Uh, you, you know, it was interesting looking at uh, the case uh, of, of Landon Butters, the individual who it was alleged to have done this pepper spraying at the Cottonwood Heights incident because there are people who were taking video. It was a demonstration, you know, so there were tons of witnesses around. Um, but like when I looked at the court records, uh, you know, this past summer, I found that they, they, the district attorney's office initially had dropped the case. They, you know, they, they dropped the charges and, you know, said there was insufficient evidence to, to proceed um, and then I kind of followed up with them about that. And I said, you know, this seems strange. I thought it was videotaped, you know, and what's happening with this. And then, then there was kind of like um, uh, a moment there where, you know, I was seeking some records. I was, you know, trying to figure out what went on with that investigation, you know, uh, for your listeners who might not be aware, you know, and in, in the terms of in terms of uh, seeking public records, you know, when an investigation is closed, you generally should be able to access those records, you know, there's no chance it's going to jeopardize something ongoing. So I had sought the kind of the records uh, of the investigation into that case, uh, and then got denied and then found that the district attorney's had office had decided to refile and this time they had a lot more witnesses and um, you know decided to keep pursuing that that charge of assault based on the pepper spraying incident. And you don't make any judgments in the article as to whether the uh, DA did right or wrong. You just lay out the facts as you uncovered them and allow the reader to make their their own mind up on this issue. Another one was down in Provo, as you alluded to, and you were, you came across some some video that showed a broader perspective on that march in Provo where the driver of the car said they felt threatened. And the video showed that they, I don't know if instigated is the right word, but it wasn't the full picture. Yeah, I think I think we all remember too, you know, there was a, a, a video out on social media, came right out, at, you know, the same, I think the same day as that protest uh, last summer in Provo. And it had a particular angle where you just kind of see the car emerge. Um, you know, it's hard to see where it's coming from. It's a little bit obscured, but you see it right as it things get very chaotic and, you know, and then this Taggart shoots at the vehicle and there's a lot of screaming. 
Um, you know, from the, the cases discovery files, there's been some new videos that have surfaced and, and one is from the rear and it's from an elevated position. Um, and I think it's like a second story, either at an apartment or it might, might've been a bank building, but someone's looking down and you can see the protesters emerge, traffic stops and, you know, traffic is stopped, you know, and it's green. It's obviously a frustrating situation if you're one of those drivers, but it's only stopped for a couple minutes before this driver um, enters the, the picture frame and immediately starts driving through the bike lane, uh, accelerating towards the, 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 the protesters. Um, it's, it's a very different situation. It, it, it does pre present a very different picture from kind of like, I think what a lot of us remembered from that, that, uh, that awful incident last year. One of the things that you cover in the story is whether or not the police treated that driver as um, a victim or a participant to what happened. I don't want necessarily say suspect, but Ken Dudley was the driver's name. He's now running for mayor of Provo, and you post the full video that you're referencing in the story. So we'll put a link in the show notes tonight. And at the the wrap of all this, what it, what did you think your investigation found? You know, I think I think I think a lot of people, protesters, I think Taggart's attorney would say there's definitely a double standard here, um, and it comes down to you know whether somebody is charged with a crime based on where they kind of stand on, you know, the, uh, on the issue that was, that was coming to a boil last summer regarding police reform. Right. And, and, uh, you know, Taggart's attorney would say too, you know, then the situation with his client, you know, that there he was, uh, you know, they were protesting against the police, you know, they were protesting for police reform and, you know, that must have come in and colored the judgment of the officers who were immediately investigating that as through the body cam footage, through the evidence, you know, that's come through the court discovery and see that the officers at that time, you know, they were operating on, on the understanding that there was a back the blue rally. And then there was a counter protest. And that when somebody tried to, you know, uh, get through the counter protest, they were shot. And so all of all of the police were, you know, rightfully alarmed. Um, but you can tell that, you know, uh, they were very, you know, they're they a lot of their actions, a lot of the things they said, their behavior, the way they processed the crime scene. Uh, you know, it was clear that they were looking at uh, Mr. Dudley only as a victim. Um, and not concerned about, you know, how to, you know, looking at it from a different perspective, perhaps, or treating the crime scene in a different way. And, and by the way, you know, like, this is all, you know, you know, I think if you talk to the people and the parties involved, you know, the activists, you know, they'd say there's a double standard, Jesse Taggart's attorney, Jesse, you know, they feel like, that there's, you know, uh, there was a, a different way that their case was handled just because of the politics involved and the fact that they, you know, were out there protesting for police reform, you know, and kind of challenging the system. I think that's why they feel like there is a double standard. And, you know, and I think that's the, the case they've made. Um, and, you know, I think just, you know, looking at looking at these stories, you, you do see uh, just interesting ways that the that the cases have been handled, um, and, and it, it certainly deserves more scrutiny, uh, I think. 
So just one of the latest stories from the Utah Investigative Journalism Project in partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune. Where can folks check it out and also look into supporting the work you do as a nonprofit in our community? Yeah, you can check it out at uh, utahinvestigative.org. And we got a donate button there and you can see all our stories. What are you working on? It's top secret right now. I got some good stuff coming. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep I'm going to keep you in suspense. Sorry. I have strategic reasons. No worries. (laughs) Well, when you're ready to talk about it, please come back on Radioactive and share, okay? Yeah, I will. Eric Peterson of the Utah Investigative Journalism Project. You'll find a link in tonight's show notes. I'm Laura Jones and Democracy Now! coming up at 7. And your lineup for the evening, Thursday Night Psych Out at 8 with DJ Mike, The Dirty Boulevard with Gianni at 10.30. I Don't Sound Like Nobody with Richard Parks at 1.00. Jolene's Illustrated Blues at 3, and then John Florence starts your Friday with a brand new day at 6. Check out the program guide and on-demand listening at krcl.org. There's just a few days left to help us finish the Songs of Summer playlist we've been working on. We'll do a big wrap-up show Monday, Labor Day. But tonight, I'm going to leave you with something from Liz in Salt Lake City. Oh, hey, this is Liz in Salt Lake, and this one's going out to my good high school friend, Tessa. So after spending hours and hours of being together in the summer, we would call each other immediately on the phone once we got home and chat again for hours and hours and hours. And so oftentimes until we fell asleep. So New York Telephone Conversation by Lou Reed is a song that I heard in high school and just fell in love with because it's all about those telephone conversations, the gossip, so being woken up by the phone ringing and just getting involved with all the things that are summer in life. So New York Telephone Conversation, Lou Reed. Love it. You got it, Liz. Radioactive's Songs of Summer taking us out on KRCL. I was sleeping gently, napping when I heard the phone. Who is on the other end talking? Am I?